Hey everyone, this is Brett. And this is Nick. You know, I was going to say that this week we're doing something a little different, but I'm starting to feel, Nick, like maybe that's just what we do every week. I know, right? It's just every week we're, we're always saying it's different. So I guess maybe for us, different is the new normal. Can we say that? Yeah, I think that might be fair. And, and right. I'll say that this week we're doing something a bit different, different. Yes. <laughs> uh, this week we are bringing you two vignettes, if you will. First, we're going to listen to a story that I made almost 20 months ago about how music helps push me from point A to point B almost in real time. The second is inspired by a recent event, and it talks to the power of music and its ability to inspire, move, heal, and set us on a path. And these two vignettes inform each other in some ways, and they're linked by a few obvious common themes. I mean, one of them is being our love for music, right? both Nick and I. Another being music as a force of movement in our lives. But maybe most importantly, we're going to talk about being lost and finding hope. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, sports, and pop culture. This week, we share two stories separated by almost two years, and through them, we hear the power of music at work, and we see that movement both reveals the path forward and builds it. My name is Brett Gaida, and I am your host. Hey, everybody. So it's Nick here at the top of the show. And for this first act, we're going to go back a little and look at an important moment in my own life when music played a pivotal role in shaping my future. So here's the thing. I've been studying, playing, or teaching music for over 25 years now. Oh my God, I'm so old. But in the stillness of one night, one unexpected moment would lead me to rethink everything. And I don't want to give away too much, but here's what you need to know about what you're going to hear. The following audio was the first piece I ever recorded for a podcast. Yes, it was written and recorded back in the fall of 2013, and I truly had no idea what I was doing. But I had decided to start a show called One Degree of Separation. You can find it on iTunes. And uh, the show was really designed to help me practice my editing, interviewing, and general podcast skills. So while we're not going to play this segment on the show, the first episode does outline where I am in life. So... I had been teaching music in Chicago, and even though I love music and love teaching, I was just profoundly, profoundly unhappy. And that was very hard to be so unhappy doing something that I loved. So without a plan, I left, and I went to St. Louis. And uh, it was crazy and terrifying, and at the, at the time, it seemed like a good idea, but I was, wasn't feeling any better. And uh, I was starting to rethink all of it. And so that's the backstory for this piece, and I'll explain the rest in there. A lot has happened since then. And all of it rests on this moment, recorded almost in real time. Um, for anyone who is listening, uh, I'm going to tell you a story about an experience I had a few weeks ago, sort of in the middle of the night. Um, and as is often my want, is that right? Or uh, my desire or my practice, uh, it does involve uh, a piece of music. Um, playing a role in helping me to cope or understand something or just move on. And um, in order to get a real understanding 
for why this piece of music, why this moment. I'd have to sort of explain the last year of my life, which is, unfortunately, in sort of a strange, sick way, the last year hasn't even been that dramatic. Um, <laughs> I mean, in a lot of ways, it's been really good, but um, it was just really difficult for for reasons that are hard to articulate. So despite the what was happening to me professionally um, or personally, um, I just sort of simply found myself unable to move uh, in any direction at all. And um, it was weird because, you know, I would do things or not do things that I should do. And I would get these blank looks from people <laughs> who would just sort of stare at me and say, you know, why, why didn't you do that? And um, I didn't have an answer. I didn't have a good answer. And you almost want there to be like a reason. Oh, well, this terrible thing happened to me and I just can't cope with life or whatever. But that's not true. Uh, I just was stuck. Um, probably sadder than I, I realized at the time. But that's how it goes. I don't know. It's interesting. So I, I think I started to like, you know how they people say that you need to live for now, to be mindful of now in a way to sort of help you cope with um, anxiety or depression or stress. But what's interesting for me is that I, I feel that now... <laughs> Uh, is sort of a way for me to escape the future and the past that I've I'm very good at finding a spot that is this very moment that doesn't allow me to see forward or backwards, which I think isn't always the best. I mean, I, what, what does now mean, you know, 10 nows from now? <laughs> I, that made sense to me. So, you know, just after sort of letting myself sort of fall apart in a way that is dramatic, unnecessarily dramatic, and silly, it sort of left me feeling pretty crappy, as I'm sure you can imagine. And then sort of crappy feeling spiral to shame, which then spirals to paralysis. <laughs> so now that I've completely depressed everybody and also sort of just sort of floated in my own self-pity, uh, <laughs> let's go back to the piece of music in the, the, that night a few weeks ago. So it's uh, 2.30 or 3 in the morning and um, I was just sort of sitting in bed listening to uh, music and watching YouTube videos, um, which is what I think anybody who's up at that time of night is probably doing, unless they're like working or something. And out of nowhere, I sort of remembered that there was a video that I had seen a couple months before, and I was and I decided I was going to go check it out. And so I had my headphones on, and I'm watching this video, and um, as I was listening. And watching, uh, my eyes just started to water, and my heart started to race, and I was getting very emotional about it, and I didn't really quite understand why, uh, and then there's a specific moment that I'll talk about in a second, but uh, eventually I like stood up, and I just walked around in the middle of the night with my headphones on, and then um, I started to dance <laughs> to myself. I just started to feel better for reasons that are probably entirely silly, but that doesn't really matter. And you might think, well, I need to know what this piece of music was. If <laughs> you probably didn't think that, but if you are curious in any way, you might think that it was Beethoven's ninth. <laughs> uh, 
um, you know, the Ode to Joy finale is considered by many just to be the greatest moment in, in music history. Um, an anthem to brotherhood written seemingly by God through Beethoven, through vibrations and braille <laughs> or something. It wasn't that, though. It could have been Handel's Hallelujah Chorus. We're all familiar with that. Um, or maybe something more modern. It could have been something from Miles Davis, sort of setting some standard for uh, jazz, which, to be honest, unfortunately, I don't know that much about. It could have been something from the Beatles, um, like a Let It Be, uh, or Hey Jude, um, or All You Need Is Love, or Across the Universe. But it wasn't any of those things. Nope. Instead... It was this. It's our party, we could do what we want. It's our party, we could say what we want. It's our party, we can love who we want. We can kiss who we want. We can say what we want. It was We Can't Stop by Miley Cyrus. Specifically, the version performed a cappella with Jimmy Fallon and The Roots. Hands in the air like we don't care. Cause we gain to have so much fun now That somebody here might get some now And if I wanted to explain to you Why this piece of music was so important At that moment, at that time um, It's sort of two things I mean, one, the visuals are so happy The Roots and Jimmy Fallon and Miley Cyrus Are arranged in like a, a Brady Bunch style squares And uh, Miley is in the center and Jimmy's in the right and Questlove's in the left and the rest are on the outside. Um, and they're looking at each other and they're interacting with each other in very playful ways. And that's just, it's fun to see. And I love wa- seeing people have fun with music. And that's really important to me. But then the music itself, I'd heard, I, to be honest, I actually hadn't heard the song that many times, the original Miley Cyrus version. I'd heard it, but it didn't really register to me. Um, the original version, you know, it's slow. But it has this backbeat and like a general crispness and focus to it that sort of strips it of what I think is this very melancholy nature to it. Whereas the Jimmy Fallon version, it's basically the same tempo, but there seems to be a bit more sadness to it. Uh, for a couple reasons. One of them to me is that the lyric is that we, the lyrics go, we can't stop and we won't stop. And in the original Miley Cyrus version, in the background, you hear a little whoa, we can't stop, whoa. And we can't stop, and we won't stop. But in the Jimmy Fallon version, we get, and we can't stop, and this guy in the bottom left goes, whoa. And to me, it just sounds like you're in the car with somebody and they're about to hit the car in front of them. And you go, whoa, stop the car. <laughs> but they're not going to stop the car. And there's something so sad about that and this loss of control, which really resonated with me, is that people are saying, you know, you need to stop doing this thing you're doing. 
and you're saying I, you don't understand is that I won't stop doing it for better or worse. It's just not going to happen. And that's that I could relate to that in the second verse is sort of the moment that it really got to me. And uh, let me go get the lyrics right here. Um, she goes uh, to my home girls here with the big bucks. And uh, I just tears. Um, and it's not because I was having a religious moment, and I, you know, I don't know if Miley's referring to God as the somebody who loves you, but to me, despite this message of sort of of losing control that and sort of my feelings of shame and judgment and regret that I had to be reminded that I was loved by people and I have plenty of people who are there for me in ways that are almost shocking to me. <laughs> like, why would they be here? What are they doing? What's wrong with them that they would want to stick around with me? Um, but being reminded, just be reminded that, you know what, Nick, Miley says, you know what, Nick, forget the haters. Somebody loves you. And they also sort of, they can't judge you. Um, was really meaningful to me. So eventually, as I stood up and I'm walking around and then I'm dancing to this song, you know, there's a moment that says, La di da da di, we like to party, dancing with Miley, doing whatever we want. And uh, I realized that she was right, that she had gotten me from this distant point at a distant time with different people I've never met that she had, she had moved me to movement. She had gotten me to dance with her had given me a reason to get up and, and be excited about something. And that was really powerful. Now later, of course, I would find out that the line isn't, we like to party dancing with dancing with my Lee. It's dancing with Molly, which is a drug reference, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't. Um, that's a conversation for a different time. I'm not saying people should do drugs, but I do think it's okay that I use, use this moment to dance. It's so funny that from that point, I started writing all my thoughts about this song down. And then um, I made a plan to wake up early the next morning and start working on stuff and blah, 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 blah. And it was just this moment with this song was what did it. And I recognized that the stakes were not that high. I mean, this wasn't a hostage situation or whatever else. Um, but they were my stakes. And that's important. Giving me a purpose. Giving me the reason to move forward. And, um, you know, there's even a part of me right now as I say this that is concerned that my attempt at earnestness my attempted sincerity at being open will be just sort of easily mocked um, because I'm not a poet, I'm not a playwright, I'm not a, a script, I'm not a screenwriter. But uh, whatever. I mean, that's the problem I have. So what am I trying to say? 
I guess one, I love this song. <laughs> and two, I don't know. It just seems significant that from the smallest places, you know, it's not Beethoven's ninth. This was, this is to not take years to write or to make or to whatever. And in some ways, the original song is probably, you know, pretty crassly created for mass consumption. But, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong way to experience the art. And for me at that time, at that moment, nothing could have been more important. And even though uh, every day is difficult for me, and again, not for any good reason. And I always sort of, <laughs> when I think that I feel terrible because I know there are people who really struggle with real issues, but whatever, it's what I deal with right now. But even so, I have this moment to look back on sort of as a, as a, the time that it all made sense that this little song provided me what, with what I needed. And that's valuable. And I can use that, you know, day after day. And it's something that music and art can do in this unique way. So I don't know if I can say I won't take nothing from nobody, as Miley says. But I'm learning to take care of myself, at least, I guess. So that's something. So that was me 20 months ago. And it's it's weird to listen to, right? I mean, now I know how it turned out. That first step was what I needed to do in order to move forward. And if you had told me at the time that, hey, Nick, like, you're not going to be a music teacher in 20 months. You're going to be a podcaster. You're going to produce and edit podcasts. I would have thought you were crazy because how could I know? But... The music gave me this moment, you know, this music combined with this feeling I had about myself. And it's not like I'm over the feelings of fear or shame or guilt. I mean, I still grapple with those. But what Miley and Jimmy and the Roots, what they did was just open this window just wide enough so I could slip through and move on to the next stage of my life and then confront all of those issues. And it's powerful and it's important. and. It's crazy to have that and be able to listen to it and to know that sometimes you just have to take that next step without knowing what will happen next. So when you shared this piece with me, Nick, it resonated with some thoughts and feelings I was having around a recent event, a situation with many people feeling lost, and a moment where music, albeit on a grander scale, also provided healing and a path forward. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves. 
was the President of the United States of America, Barack Obama, on June 26, giving a eulogy for the Honorable Reverend Clementa Pickney and the nine victims of the mass shooting that took place at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in downtown Charleston, South Carolina, on June 17th. I'm going to ask you to put aside your political and religious beliefs for a moment so I can talk about something from the standpoint of its humanity and not its politics. We seem to love to knock our leaders down. And watching that speech the day after it happened, it struck me. What an almost impossible job being the president of the USA is, or the leader of almost any country for that matter. To have all eyes turn to you in moments when people feel scared, lost, angry, confused, and all those eyes and hearts say, what now? Whether it was George W. Bush after 9-11 or Obama after this shooting, that role, that responsibility is enormous. I could easily spend this episode on a soapbox about how we cut each other down and continue to propagate this narrative of us versus them in our countries, our communities, our families, but that's not what I'm here to talk about today. And that's not what ultimately stayed and resonated with me from President Obama's eulogy. While his words were poignant, what resonated for so many was the song, Amazing Grace. And once you heard it, if you go back and listen to the whole speech again, you will hear that it is in there all along. The theme of grace, the idea of being blind and now seen, and even in the cadence and delivery of his words. Music takes us where word cannot. There is something about music, art for that matter, that has the ability to help heal us. It has been used to influence social change throughout history. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning. I'd hammer in the evening. Whatever God you believe in, we come from the same one. Strip away the fear, underneath it's all the same love. About time that we raised up. And we now know through research that music therapy is a viable treatment for serious mental health issues like schizophrenia and depression, as well as reducing anxiety and chronic pain. This is violinist Robert Gupta in his TED Talk entitled, Music is Medicine, Music is Sanity. And I understood that this was the very essence of art. This was the very reason why we made music, that we take something that exists within all of us at our very fundamental core, our emotions. And through our artistic lens, through our creativity, we're able to shape those emotions into reality. And the reality of that expression reaches all of us and moves us, inspires and unites us. I've never been a religious person. I grew up an Easter Christmas Catholic at best. My parents put me into Catholic school, but it was more that they wanted me to have a moral compass rather than a specific one. And yet, I've always been moved by music about God. From hymns to gospel to Christmas music. And, and I think it's because I have a strong connection to our oneness. And to me, that oneness is my God. G-O-D, the grand organizational design, as some people have put it. And of all these songs, perhaps none has been more soothing to me than Amazing Grace. And I'm not sure why that is. I mean, the melody is nice, and there's something comforting in its simplicity, but I'm pretty sure it's the words, the power of the message, 
a message that forgiveness and redemption are possible, regardless of what you have done, the sins you have committed, as a Christian would put it, that no matter how lost we are, how wretched we become, that we can be delivered from our despair through the mercy of God. And if God is indeed in all of us, then through the mercy of each other. And at times in my life when I have so far as hated myself, this song has given me hope. And while some might get that, to others it might seem an exaggerated notion. And yet even science now tells us this can be true. A 2011 study out of the Netherlands suggests that music may directly alter the way we perceive the world. Another out of the UK shows it increases positive thought. Composer Robert Jourdain wrote a book on music's ability to create ecstasy in our bodies. And separate books and studies by neurologist Oliver Sacks, Dr. Daniel Levitin, and Dr. Robert Zatori and his team of neuroscientists at McGill University all speak to the biological and psychological effects of music on our brains. The latter team actually showed that those chills music sometimes gives us are more than just imagined. That emotionally intense music releases dopamine in the pleasure and reward centers of the brain, similar to the effects of food, sex, and drugs. Dopamine. And that the number of goosebumps observed correlates with the amount of dopamine released. Music can indeed give us hope in times of need. When we are lost, as some in our nation might have felt after the Charleston shootings, it makes perfect sense for President Obama to turn to music. In addition to all the other benefits I have mentioned, music creates a space to pause and reflect. I've always been susceptible to this technique used at the end of a television episode like House or Grey's Anatomy or Scrubs. The montage starts. We get a glimpse of each character from the episode, often in slow motion, as an emotionally charged tune plays under all of it. Isn't that what it feels like sometimes in real life? It is for me. Sometimes as I listen to a song, thoughts, emotions, and scenes run through me. They play through my mind as I try to make sense of it. I turn through all the possibilities, I feel all the emotions, and as it all bubbles up and swirls, the music, the music somehow settles it back down. It clears the smoke, and somewhere through all the fog, we catch a glimpse of something that feels right, clear, a good next step. And so you take it. Emotion, from the Latin immovere, meaning out of movement. And so out of this musical movement, we feel emotion. And out of this emotion we feel, we ourselves start to physically move. And that first step turns into another one. And with each step into the seemingly unknown, another stone appears. And you do it again focused on nothing more than the next step and then the next one and step after step after step and then at some point you look back and what was a series of timid steps of unsure moves is in retrospect a path you look around you and while you previously felt like you were in the dark 
surrounded by trees, jungle, lost, alone. Now it is bright and you can see possibilities in every direction and you are surrounded by people, people who love you and you are no longer lost. Well, at least that's how it feels when the music's playing. wish a happy belated Canada Day and Independence Day to our listeners in those two countries and to the rest of the world. Happy holy moly is it really halfway through the year already day. A few acknowledgements and shout outs. After getting to meet many listeners two weeks ago in Vancouver and New York City this past week, I got to meet up with listener Matthew just a few miles from my home. Three months ago, we didn't even know each other. He was in LA, I was in San Francisco, and three months later, we're sharing breakfast in Oakville, Ontario, of all places. The power of the internet and the power of community. Thanks for breakfast and great conversation, Matthew. For awesome support in all forms out there, thank you to Darren Button, Jeremy Paris, Laurel Swenson, Amanda Monroe, Stacy Menz, and Heather Pierce. An iTunes review from Philomania that caught our eye. We quote, just when you think it's two guy buddies joking around, they nail you with a pitch-perfect monologue. It was the Father's Day episode on gratitude that got me. And just when you think you have their number, they're just sensitive new age guys. Bam! A hilarious clip, a deft segue, and you realize that everything in this podcast is intentionally crafted, expertly constructed, and with love. What an inspiration. Keep up the work, Brett and Nick. Thank you so much, Philomania, for that great review. And to everyone else who reached out, said something kind, wrote a review, shared their passion for the show this week in any way, this happens for you, and it does not happen without you. Speaking of connecting, find us on Twitter at Brett Gaida and at Podcast Monster and join our Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash WTS pod. Stay in the loop through our mailing list. Two ways to join by phone, text the word smoke to 66866 or go to our website where there's smoke.co. While on the site, you can also link to show notes, which include a list of all the clips used in the show. Where There's Smoke is composed, crafted, transcribed, assigned, practiced, played, orated, recorded, mixed, edited, mastered, and pressed by me, Brett Gaida, and Nick Jaworski. If you're interested in getting help making your podcast sound awesome, check out Nick at podcastmonster.com. And if you're interested in having me do a talk for your association or company or collaborating with me in any way, send an email to connect at wherethersmoke.co. Our theme song was written and performed by Des McKinney, with additional music by Kevin McLeod, Poddington Bear, Sea Ladder, the original Sacred Harp Choir, and We Don't Stop Piano Instrumental was played by our very own Nick Jaworski. This week, I am thrilled to award a very special Clip of the Week to our Dopamine Clip. It went by fast, but that was a very heartfelt shout out to Radiolab a show that greatly influenced my journey to this show, as well as given me so much awesomeness over the years. That dopamine clip is from the episode, This Is Your Brain on Love. Check it out. You'll never love the same again. And with that, we are out. Mr. Shred. All right. 
the quote of the day. I forgot the quote of the day. All right. I think I'm going to go with a rock star of philosophers, Friedrich Nietzsche. And he said, Dan, drum roll, please. <laughs> Without music, life would be a mistake. Thank you for listening. We love you. We'll see you next week.